It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Welcome to Crunch Time. Carmus is oh, the target. What a leap. And the bus takes the mark in the pocket. Proves the angle. Kicks the goal. He handles to Trelaw. Also against his old team. He kicks one. Puts it through from the pocket. Now Carmus came charging through. Just try and stop him. Moore got a hand to it. Bontempelli feeds it out. Not in the open goal. The Dogs have four. Dunkley stayed back in it a little bit, but he's guided it through. And the Bulldogs have five goals on the board. A Dunkley flew. He's done enough to be paid the mark too. Dunkley doesn't care. He opens up the angle and swings through his second. And the Dogs have got six on the board. Other than um, you know the, the final series where we strung a few together and the early part of last year, we haven't been a team that's um, been consistent enough in winning games. So, Kel, what you're putting on the table there is is that inconsistency of, of being able to uh, win some games. I think a night like tonight just gives us a little bit of belief and stability around, you know, probably some depth as well. Um, and that's where, as I said, you know, out of some hardship comes opportunity and that's really pleasing for me and for all of us working with the boys. A week on from the carnage, the Bulldogs inflict some pain of their own. A complete domination from the on-ball brigade, providing a long-awaited glimpse of the Dogs at their best. Will it be the night to ignite the climb? I know I've still got the players, but it's a, it's a zapping job. And I'll be totally honest, um, you know, sometimes that can, be, that can wear you down a little bit. As much as what it sounds hard, it's a good decision. The timing is right for our footy club to look for its next senior coach. Have you or Tony Shepherd spoken to Alistair Clarkson? No, we haven't. No, no, we just haven't felt the need to do that. We've wanted to see how things have unfolded. So will you? Yeah, you know, it'd be remiss of you not to have a conversation with a whole host of people. So for the quote's sake, uh, Alistair Clarkson's on your list. He's, he's not coaching at the moment. He's got an aspiration to coach again. If he does, you'd, you'd, you know, you'd be silly not to find out. Leon Cameron's reign as Giants coach has one last game to play. The early season resignation stirring the coaching market to life as all eyes turn to Alastair Clarkson. Giants Chief Executive Dave Matthews joins us. The intention was correct. Just, yeah, the time and the delivery was probably not the right time. Yeah, it just got the better of me at the end of the day and I've got to be better than that. I personally don't think he needed to apologise. I think he, he did what was fair and reasonable after the game and a disappointing night. And, and I think that from that point, um, the environment at our footy club over the last 18 months has been outstanding. You know, I've never been more confident that this is top of the agenda for the AFL Players Association. Yeah, we have to be patient, but we're united and sticking pretty strong that we think this is a deal that needs to get done. It is a national game, and we've got Heartland um, in, in Tasmania that's not featuring in a national game. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. We've got to do something about it. And, you know, we've... Perhaps two or three times over the last 20 years, we've tried to get a team into the competition and the wisdom of the AFL have chosen not to, not to give us a chance to get in. This is the most serious push, but the, the moment is right now, but we actually need the, the, the rally of the Tasmanian people in the yep. next eight weeks. Critical. And Tasmania begins the final push for acceptance, looking to demonstrate the overwhelming support for a team of its own. While in Hobart, all eyes turn to North Melbourne, 
after a week of intense scrutiny. This is the round nine edition of Crunch Time. What a complete contrast consecutive Friday nights have been for Luke Beveridge as last week's pessimism turns to the source of significant optimism. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. Luke Hodge is with me. Hodgie, a week's a long time in football. Oh, it is. And we always say how stressful it is to coach a team or how much it looks. But you look at Bevo and the inconsistencies he's had in press conferences from the whole season pretty much, but from last week to this week. But... Sitting back watching that game, I can understand why he was so happy because he saw then and there what his team is capable of. Even with all the injuries that they've still got, they, they brought Bont back in, they got Keith back in, but what his team provided last night was a fair reason for him to sit up there and be pretty happy in the in the press conference. David King, so May May's a late arrival into the season, but they did seem to arrive last night. Welcome. G'day, lads. Uh, morning, everybody. Um you couldn't draw on a whiteboard a better Western Bulldogs template to victory. You couldn't. Luke Beveridge smashed at clearance, smashed them at contested possession, take the game from inside to outside, enjoy the spoils. Everyone gets a million possessions. Everyone feels good about their game. They run, they're excited, they carry They carry the football deep. They defend their back six by maintaining possession and they bludgeon the opposition to death by inside 50 volume. That That's their template. It hasn't been there for seven weeks or, or eight weeks, and we're glad it's back because it's good to watch when it's on. Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet. Maybe the coach's demeanour is the best illustration of this, from Night of Carnage and down to Bare Bones to joshing about and, and being very much up vibe and interesting. Four points and a soothing balm, wasn't it, for the coach, Luke Beveridge. Good morning to you guys. He was There was banter last night between Bailey Smith and Collingwood supporters. Banter between Luke Beveridge and Collingwood supporters. The Bevo, I think we've got the audio touched on in the aftermath, Gerard. Uh, fascinating little bit of uh, admission here from the Dogs coach. One of the Collingwood supporters yelled out to me, if you... Um have you been sitting that anger management course? Um, and I looked at him and I said, well, I'm on that. Uh, but um, all, all good banter. No. So everyone's felt good. And losers yeah. can please themselves. Exactly. Uh, what would have happened if I was a port supporter said that last week to him? 100%. <laughs> it's, four, it's four points and just everyone felt good about themselves. Didn't I? I tell you what, though, that descent rule popped up like those gophers on Caddyshack, didn't it? Quiet for a couple of weeks and then... Wooshka, we're up out of the ground. Just when Brad Scott said it had become a non-issue, it's, it's very much an issue for discussion today. Knowing the two of you, David King and Sam Edmund, have have centralised the advocacy for Buku Kamas. And after the night that he had, we asked Buku to come on, given that you have <laughs> really? coordinated the stronghold of the uprising at the grassroots level to have him playing. <laughs> our, little, our little show on a Thursday night that's just a little bit of fun, the picks. It was called the picks. It's now the Buku Hour. Because I tell you, <laughs> the, the diehards out there, Jared, they've been campaigning, they've been talking him up, and now they are celebrating. They were right. Jared, he, this kid played as an intercepting defender in the under-18 competition. He was a he was a, a sensation in the under-18 carnival. And then he's only played forward at VFL level for the last three weeks. So to do what he's doing is just the very tip of the iceberg. He looks so athletic. Hodgie, he was on the move. He, he knew when to lead. I mean, the hardest part for these new forwards is forward craft. But he looked like he had it. Yeah, in saying that, when you're, when you're playing forward and the ball's coming in as often as what it did, he had so much time and space. But I think that's the exciting thing about him is 
when the ball's in his area, you don't know what he's going to do. He can jump. He can take a big hanger. On, when the ball's on the ground, he, he last week was really good pressure forward when the ball's hit the deck, and that's what the doggies had needed. But you sort of sit back and go, what could this kid be? Um, I can understand why you've been so excited about him. His is a wonderful story. So he'll join us. The, the vertical leap, just straight up and down on that first mark. Mm. And then Tom Liberatore tried to set him up for the mark of the year, which he didn't <laughs> quite hang on to, but it gave a little <laughs> glimpse. So he's going to join us shortly. Uh, so how are we feeling about the dogs, Luke, now that we've seen them reestablish the game that saw them live in the top two last year? Well, I think this is this is the tease that the Bulldog supporters have been sitting back getting frustrated with because we've seen throughout the year that they they can do this. And when they when they have hunted in packs and, and been they were just so slick in and around the stoppage, using numbers, feeding it back to people in space. Um, and their forward line, forward line looked like they worked so much better with, with how they were moving the ball. Uh, but I, I guess the frustrating part is is they just want to see that. Yes, they've had a lot of injuries, but as a spectator watching the doggies, if they play like that every week, I think everyone will be sitting down and having packed stadiums. But it's just that consistency that their supporters are sitting back going, we need this next week and then the following. And looking at their schedule, they've got two winnable games the next – well, they should win the next two games for sure. And that just sort of brings them back up and that spark to have them back in the top eight. Do you think that there's a little bit of timing in a run with this? I know we've talked about the dogs a lot. We've been waiting for them to come and they've had a couple of disappointing weeks the last couple of weeks particularly. But last year they were up for so long. They were 19 weeks inside the top two on the table and fell apart at the wrong stage. And then it got really difficult for them and they gathered again, which we haven't seen a team do really. Um, through the final series or from yeah, effectively week one of the finals to make the grand final. But I just wonder whether Luke's trying some different approaches, playing players in different positions at the start of the year. It's not their very best lineup in the very best positions for them every week. There has to be some science to this. It just can't be random. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I can't agree with that because they were – this was the year to march into the top two and to live there, not to be scrapping and scrounging. You're not getting – you're not falling to three and five by design when no, you've no. got aspirations no, that's, for the top. That's the results. You, you, you're judging the results. So come with me on just the actual mechanics of it. I so think the, they have been desperately for grappling for what to re-establish what they are, yeah, and yeah, what they no, are is not I, a mystery. I get that last night, but I'm talking about the first five or six weeks. So Tom Libertore at half forward makes no sense to me. Okay, he's been the game's best clearance player for five years. So why does he start at half forward round one? And why is he very rarely in the centre bounces? So I think they're trying. They were trying different things, and none of them seemed to work. Everything seemed to backfire, and they found themselves in this situation. But I think he tried something to to tailor the season to unfold a different way. Is that due to a lot of the injuries that they've had? Because I'm looking through who they had out last week. There was Bontempelli, Hunter, Johannesson, Wallace, Bruce, O'Brien got injured, McLean, uh, Hannon's out, English. Like, so is he trying to just? put blokes in and around. Like Liberatore, yes, we know he's a hunter, but he can kick goals. So is he trying to put him there to make up for the fact that Josh Bruce isn't there? And my other thing is, have we underestimated how important Josh Bruce is to the Bulldogs? So the last the last two years, he um, when he has played, so the 20 games in the last two years, he played, they've won 15 and 5. They average 95 points when he's played. He's missed 14 games in the last two years. They're 6 and 8, and they average 75. So... Prior to him getting injured, Bruce, it was all about Bruce and Norton was this young, up-and-coming forward. Bruce going out, Norton's been able to jump up and, and take the limelight. But has it 
proven how important that Bruce was, that two key factors, and they're just trying to play catch-up, plus all the other injuries that they've had as well. I think they've been surprised by the lack of impact from Jamara. There's no doubt about that. They knew Bruce wasn't going to be there at the trading period last year. So if they, if they felt that, that those numbers were going to impact them so severely, they would, have, they would have sought another target. They would have traded heavily, given the fact that we all think they're in the window to win it, uh, particularly October last year. So I, I, I sort of agree, but I don't. I, they knew this coming in, and I think they expected Buku Kamas' role yep. should be Jamaru Hagen. Did they get in Timmy O'Brien for that backup centre forward? Because Keith went out, then they've had to throw Timmy O'Brien down the other end, and then he goes and gets injured. It just seems like everything they've tried over the first eight weeks, it just seems like they've ever had injuries or things have fallen because of yeah. one reason or another. They were seeking the intercept defender, and that's what, that's the O'Brien. That was his acquisition. To Still play, are. To play that that's role. That's right at the top of the shopping list this yeah. year as well. And take a ticket and get in line because there are so many clubs after key backs. So watch that space. But Tim English, he's going to miss another week as well, Jared. That's how crook he is. He's been bedridden for much of the week, and he was pretty tight-lipped last night, Luke Beveridge, but he said that the Ruckman had lost some weight as well and was going to take some while for him to get his bearings and get back into it. So Scott Pendlebury are laid out too with the flu last night. It's clearly doing the rounds, isn't it? But uh, they're going to have to go in with uh, Jordan Sweet again, who's another person that dog supporters have been campaigning pretty hard for. He played really well last night. He's a talent. I, I really like him. I, I think they're a better lineup with English and Sweet in the same 22. I, I really do. You can you can manufacture some rest on the bench. You can spin a tall through the bench. I think that Bevo, he has to get more creative. He has to find a way to absolutely wring the rag dry on Tim English. And I think that involves Ruck resting forward. He's a guy that could kick four goals in a given game. And Riley West is like the 18-year-old at the front door of the nightclub, Jared, trying to get in when the, the sorry, full sign's up at the front. But a wrap for him last night. First game since round 12 last year. We know there's been some discontent behind the scenes with his famous father, Scott, lashing uh, Luke Beveridge last year for what he said was, you know, disgraceful management. He hasn't had a huge look in, but he was really impressive last night, I thought. Adam Trelaw, best on ground. So Collingwood paid for the privilege of watching him tear them apart. <laughs> oh, <Jared>. He doesn't forget, Jared, does he? I don't owe you any money, do I? Um, no, look, he, he was terrific. Yeah, he was best on ground. He kicked goals. He, he, he set the game up. He's a beautiful finisher on the run, isn't he? You, know, you, you almost just mark it down when he breaks through 30, you know, 30, 40 from goal. But that was his polish. That's why Collingwood went and got him because, yes, he can find the ball, but – it was what he was able to do in the front end, which where we all love midfielders that can get the ball, but we love even more midfielders can get the ball and kick goals. And that's what he does. He just adds polish to, to the rest of what the team's able to do further up the ground. I, I, I'm fascinated, Jared. I'm fascinated by Bailey Smith. Now, yep. now Adam Trelaw was best on ground, and he had, he had 35 touches. He had a lot of footy, nine, nine score involvements, three goals. But Bailey Smith's disposal, he's, he's had 41 again. He's involved in a lot of scores. But a lot of the scores that he's involved with are happening because someone else does something in the possession chain that makes it a score. At the moment, his damage is 10% what it should be. And I think this guy, and we've talked about him, he's got the potential to be the best player in the comp. I really think that highly of him. I think they need to, to strap him to someone who's played that role before and dominated in that specific role of break away from traffic, get yourself into space, and then... Lower the speed, lower the tempo, and finish, whether that's a pass or, or change angle or kick the goal. I think someone like a Chris Judd needs to mentor someone like Bailey Smith. That, that, that's, that's how highly I rate this guy. They are just getting 10% of what he's capable of. But I think he has 41 because of his work ethic and what he's been able to do. Like a lot of other players in that situation wouldn't get the 40 because 
watching him, if you go to a game and just watch Bailey Smith, his patterns to run a wing is to work hard all the way back, which is what we love, and then his effort to run past blokes to get forward. Yes, he, he does. He, he does miss a few of the kicks, but as a young kid, I would prefer him to be doing that, working his backside off. And the, the other thing you look at is he doesn't get a rest. Vont said that after the game, that he's a young kid who goes out there. He, he covered eight Ks at halftime. Most, ki- most blokes do 12, 11, 12 Ks for the game. He ran eight Ks at halftime. So, Kingy, if you were running eight Ks at halftime, no. how, how fatigued would you I'm, be with no, your kicking? But I'm not, <laughs> that's my point, is, is, that, is that the art of coaching is to maximise what you've got at your disposal, whether that's putting them in the right positions or tailoring their rest or whatever it is, whether it's absolute coaching during the week or in an off-season, they are not getting the best out of Bailey Smith, who is a marquee commodity. So whatever it is, yep. whether it's rest or the position or how he plays, they've got it. At the moment, in a final series, it's Bontempelli or bust. It really is. They can't have that. They've got to have Bailey Smith, who's not a kid anymore. He, they've gone to the next phase. It's time to, to grab this football club. There's no more popular figure in the game than him right now. He can go the next level in a heartbeat, I reckon. Worked did for did Zach, you not see that? Worked for Zach Merritt. He engaged Chris Judd 2016. Maybe we just need to pass the number on, do we, Kingy? Well, we've talked a lot about the leg, the leg drive of midfield. Clayton Oliver changed his game. Lockie Neal's changed his game. That is the new game breaker. Yep. Zach if, Bailey. Zach Bailey. If you haven't got one, or you've got one that's not using it, I don't understand that. And, and it, it, You need to see it before you see it. Okay, So he's getting a lot of ball, and he hadn't been at this level. Now he's at this level. He did it once last night where he was charging towards goal, hit the brakes, wrapped around and dropped a little kick 20 metres from goal. Mark, goal to the dogs. Yep. Um, that's what he can do. He can toy with opponents. He takes he takes what the opposition give him in an instant. The best players want more. And, you know, I've seen the change. I've seen, I've seen Lockie Neal and Paddy Cripps go to – they're different commodities now. So I think this guy's untaggable. And I think that he could be, he could be the game's best player handled properly. And I think that's the next part of the Bulldogs. Are they giving someone else breaks because they know that he's an aerobic animal who could run all day? Maybe they sit back and go, well, we, ha- we have had, f- he had, had, he did have 40. Do we pull him back and give him an extra bench time here or there, somewhere along? And that means that rather than Bont going off, does Bont go forward? Or are they, are they keeping him on the field because everyone else who they're bringing back are on a little bit less time because they've been injured for the year and missed games? So there's no doubt that's probably a phase that they're going to look at. But... With the, the injury list they've had, they're probably thinking he's one person who we know can run out of game. Mm. Uh, and they're probably putting him at risk of just saying, you stay out there, you do your job, go up and down that wing, create, get back and help out, push forward to create numbers. As they get blokes back, they might look, look at the next phase and going, hang on, maybe if we give him a break, he might be able to add a little bit more with the ball. But with, with the list that I, I read out before, they're probably trying to cover those blokes and, and make sure they get the rest before this 21-year-old who can run all day gets that rest. The Collingwood side of the coin, so really optimistic start to the new regime. Have the last two weeks sort of settled them into the, the grinding reality of the season? A little bit. There's a lot of confusion at Collingwood. We, we probably expected this in the first month of the season. It's probably taken a little while to come, and I don't know whether they're getting adventurous and trying new things down back, but what they're doing in that back 50 is is just mind-numbing. You, know, you, you scratch your head at times. I saw, you know, in the first... 15 minutes of that game. When the game set up, let's be honest, that game was separated in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. It was catch up from there. Moore versus Norton. I guarantee Craig McRae says, get, just get the job done on this guy and we're away. We're a chance here. And and consistently got five, six, eight, ten metres and, and marked the ball. And he took six marks for the night. So it wasn't a dominant marking night. 
But it was just at that stage of the game. Uh, and then you see they've ended up taking 14 marks inside 50 of the dogs. That's, that, that's not the dogs. No. Ten different players. So even, even the highlights we showed on Fox last night, Taylor Adams right next to um, Marcus Pontempelli, I think, was one. And this, the other one was, uh, they might have been Scott. Look, they're zoning, but the, the, the player they're zoning is three metres from them and they can't recover to get back there and they take an easy mark inside 50. So they've got huge problems down back. That's that's what I was scratching my head at the whole game is we all talk about the press and it's all about gap control. What teams do, It's they, they call it man, man, man v. man with a zone preference. So what is, you go and get someone and then if once you've got that man accountable, that's when you drop back into a zone still knowing that if that person's in within kicking distance of the person with the ball, you can still get there to cut off. Mm. If that ball's off by a second, you can spoil it. Collingwood were going back consistently and just standing in a zone. And if they had Bulldogs players left or right, they weren't going near him. So mm. it was just that easy little – and you could sort of see what the Doggies were doing, especially late when they had a good lead. Collingwood were coming at him, but they were just maintaining possession and chipping around. At some stage, you either need the runner go out there or some senior players out there to say, need to tighten up. Even go, our man, Buku, <laughs> let up a couple of times softly. I don't want to talk him down, Jeff. <laughs> but that's – What do you mean, even? He, well, I mean, but, he, he assessed it really quickly, our man. There, there was other parts of the, the Collingwood game which I really liked. So their ball movement, yes, it's ex- exciting. And and the difference when you come into a different game style and a, and a different ball movement, which Craig's brought into their style, is the players have a lot of decisions to make. If you're being told to go through the middle, if you think you can hit that kick and then we get numbers running past for that handball received to break lines, the decisions on the ball on the, the ball carry and can he hit that kick and should he hit that kick? Too many times I thought there was times that they just tried to force the issue. And if you're going to force the issue into the corridor, you miss that kick, what happens? Turnover up the other end and your defence is accessible because you've tried to run to create to run off. It was just too many times I thought that they took the risk to go too hard, too fast through the middle when it just wasn't there. And that that's about learning. That's about continual feedback from the coaches saying you need to make a decision as a player. Yes, we're being given you a licence to take that risk and go for it. But if it's not there, don't force the issue. The round nine edition of Crunch Time. We assess what happened last night. We'll talk the descent free kicks. Buku Kamas is about to join us. Tasmania's big push. It's a coordinated push in the Apple Isle today. We'll give you an insight into that and the coaches market given the resignation of Leon Cameron. All ahead on Crunch Time for South Australia Tourism. Rewards wonder? Visit southaustralia.com. Buku Kamas coming up next. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. He was one of the stories of the night in the Bulldogs' 48-point win over Collingwood in his third game. Buku Kamas kicked three goals. The vertical leap left an impression. The run at packs left an impression. He even managed to be the centrepiece of a descent free kick. So he's right at the centre of the football conversation. Buku Kamas, it's great to have you on Crunch Time. Congratulations and welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. How would you describe your third game of league footy? Um... Yeah, I was I was pretty nervous at the start. Um, no, I was pretty happy to kick a couple goals um, and also get the win. What What's your vertical leap like, Buku, from the standing start? Um, I actually can't remember, but I reckon it's uh, it's up there. I reckon it's up there. All right, it <laughs> uh, it it gave us a real buzz in the box to see. Buku, I'll jump in first because once David King 
gets to talk to you. I don't think I'll get another question. Um, but I was just wondering about your uh, – how, you, how have you found the move forward? Because playing down back, it's a, it's a lot easier to read the play, the play being in front of you. Moving forward, it's a lot harder, especially with a defender up behind you trying to push you out. How have you found your development and, and your move forward? Um, for me, uh, I found it like really refreshing. Um, I played like, as a defender for a really long time. And then when we made the move to go forward, um, yeah, just really refreshing and just play with freedom um, and then just run and jump at the ball and just back my instincts. Who uh, who have you spoken to mostly about it? Has it been a player or a coach that you've spoken to about the change up forward? Yeah, um, so it was Bevo. Um, we had a chat to make the move up forward. He thought there, would, there were um, opportunities in the senior team. Um, so I was... Re- I was really excited to make that move and then just working with the forward coach, um, Matthew Spanger, and then just players like Josh Bruce um, just helping me out um, to learn my craft. Buku, can we go back a bit further because I've sort of had a look, a bit of a look at you because Sam and I do a little show on Thursday night and the one player they talk about more than any other yes. in the AFL comp is Buku Kama. So I had to do a bit of research on you. Uh, take us through your journey, because you're a young boy from St Albans Way. You went to Maribyrnong College, which, from memory, is a sports facility, a sports school. It, were you involved yeah. with, with Alex Rance there? Was that is that the facility that Alex was involved in? Uh, no, I think that's a different uh, facility. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I went to Maribyrnong um, from year 10 to 12. Um, yeah, it's a re- really good school. Is it is it a football program type situation, or did you just learn this from the the under eighteen program and get back into into front line footy? Because your journey has been rapid. I mean, you started as a defender. You've only played three weeks as as a forward. I'm amazed with the yep. craft that you've got so early. Um, well, yeah, in juniors uh, I was actually a forward, um, and then it wasn't until my top edge year of tack up footy for the Western Jets. Um, I made the move to play as a defender, and I've been playing as a back since then. Um, but yeah, Maribyrnong, we have like footy academy. There's like different sports, soccer, um, tennis. There's yeah, a lot of different sports, and they just um, help young kids just develop uh, in their sport. Buku, your journey is amazing. I mean, Luke Beveridge, when I think before you made your debut, said you were two million to one to play your first game a couple of years ago. Can you take us back to St Albans and and a couple that are really played a massive part in your life in Kelly Ryan and, and Charles Gretsch, who I think was coaching at the times, maybe under tens, under twelves at St Albans, and the influence they have had on your life because you've you've got two families, haven't you? Yeah, I have. That's, that's yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, Charles and Kelly, they've been like really really big um for me uh, i first met them when i yeah, started playing footy at the snowman's footy club um under 12 they were just really there for me just helping me out um helping me get to training to games just small stuff like that and our relationship just grew over the years um so now i'm just really grateful for them and they took you on family holidays and everything didn't they yeah everything i was i was pretty much i still am a part of um their families, so no, it's it's good to have two families. So how special is it now to be doing what you're doing and having this big support network around you, the community, and Kingy, uh, as Kingy said there, we we get inundated with messages on a Thursday night demanding when you're going to play and now (laughs) celebrating that you are. How special is life right you for now? I mean, is this as as good as it gets? Uh, Yeah, I think it is. Uh, It's just just a really good feeling. Um, Just being out there, it's just an amazing feeling, and just 
knowing that your family's um, in the stands just watching you, um, no, it's, it's really it's really good. What age would you say, Buku, that the idea of being an AFL player dawned on you? Um, I'd say when I was 16, um, I felt that it could become a reality, um, which was pretty exciting. And how does the reality right now measure up with what that young lad was dreaming about? Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, no, nah, yeah, just enjoying it. It's really fun just to be playing AFL footy. Where are you going to end up? Are you going to end up playing centre-half back or are you comfortable playing forward? Because there's opportunity at both ends at the Dogs right now. Yeah, there is. Um, I'm just I'm just happy to be um, anywhere in the team, really, um, as long as I'm playing in the senior team. But I'm really liking my time up forward at the moment. Um, just, yeah, feeling really good. And how does Bevo coach Abuku? Does he give you a you know not a license to thrill, but for you to bring your flair to the game? How has he sort of coached you in the in the magnet board sense, and also in the in the man management sense, the chemistry sense? Yeah, um, so he's he's been really good, especially pregame, just um, talking talking to me and allowing me to use my strength, um, my athleticism as much as I can, um, and then just back my instincts and just go from there, really. Tell us about your uh, excitement after the game. I was watching you, you did interviews after, uh, and you had the biggest smile on your face. It was just looked like you're you're a kid in a candy store. You were that excited to be around your teammates after such a good win. Yeah, oh, I was thrilled. Um, we played uh, Port Adelaide last week, um, and it's just a different feeling when you win. Um, just a great vibe. So I was just happy to be around the boys. Now, Buku, obviously no one wants you to lose your athleticism or your spring or your, your sense of adventure or dare, but there is one thing that the coach would like you to lose, and that is the arms-out habit that he said that you might have developed in the, in the second tier. Could you, could you take us through take us through last night and the D-word uh, descent? Yeah. Um, so I, I felt that I got pushed in the back, um, and he didn't reward me with the free kick, so I just I put my arms out and... I thought I wasn't doing anything wrong, uh, and but the umpire didn't agree, and yeah, I gave away a 50 meter free kick. Uh, it felt uh, to I was me. Pretty surprised, to be honest. Sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, I was pretty surprised to be honest. Uh, I thought I didn't do anything there. It felt to me like the second time you put your arms out was actually you were standing the mark, and that the umpire yeah. might have thought that you were continuing on with your your dispute. Yeah, I think that's what he thought. I was just, yeah, just standing there, putting my arms out, just manning the mark. Uh, and, yeah, he thought I was doing something else. The, the bit I liked was when you then pushed the next bloke out and took the mark and you got nailed for it. Yes. You had learnt your lesson quickly to get those hands in tight. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I gave the ball back, like, straight away. I didn't want to give away another 50-metre free kick. Um, yeah, I learned it pretty quick. Burku, did they have any weights out at uh, Maribyrnong College? It looks like those arms are going to need a bit of work. 82 kilo at the moment. How difficult has it been for you to get a bit more bulk? Uh, yeah, pretty hard, to be honest. Um, we do all this yeah, all this running, so it's pretty hard to um, make the weight stick, but I think it will stick eventually. <laughs> the last piece to your story, Buku. So, do you feel representative of a community in Australia, knowing that your heritage through South Sudan and, and through uh, the Kenyan refugee camp? Yeah, um, I, f- I feel a massive support, um, and that's the thing I always got to remember. Um, I'm just 
not playing for myself, playing for my um, yeah, community and just striving to also be a role model for um, other young kids that um, just look up to me growing up. So when you have to put the ticket requests in, how many, how, yes, what support yeah, group yeah. would you have had there last night? How numerous would it have been? Last night, uh, it was about 10 last night. It wasn't, wasn't too much. Just like immediate family and a couple of friends. What do you reckon you could get it up to? If you walked in <laughs> and hit them with a number, what, yeah. do, what do you think would be the number you could get away with? Oh, I reckon 20. <laughs> oh, I reckon you can. I reckon you can get fifty, yeah. Buku. If if you yeah. take marks like that and get three goals for the next couple of weeks, I reckon you can nudge it up to fifty. Yeah, give uh, it a go. <laughs> that'd be good. It would be good. It's great to meet you like this, Buku. We're we're loving watching you play over the past couple of weeks. So all power to you in your journey. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Buku Kamas, with us on Crunch Time. How good. <laughs> How good! There's a there's a real innocence there, isn't there? In the in 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 the way Buku conducts himself, which you can't help but warm to. It's fantastic. If he kicks another three next week, all all contracts will go on hold. Jared, <laughs> tickets demands will go through the roof. He's a beauty. What I love there was he said he's going to be a role model, and I think that's great for a, for a young fellow who's come and played a, a couple of games. He's already put himself as a role model that people want to follow the pathway that he's done, and he's proving that. Anything's possible, and where he's been able to, where he's come from, and what he's been able to do has been an amazing effort. And I don't think from watching him play those first few games, he's not going to stop here. He has worked so incredibly hard. Like you talk about adding weight, fitness. Just yeah. uh, he came from yep. such a low base. Like the fitness, you wouldn't say was non-existent, but miles off it from AFL level. And when the coach says you're two million to one to play a senior game, <laughs> no, I can't believe they're not great odds, are they? I can't believe you're having a look, go at his rig. I'd love to have a rig like that. No, no, <laughs> he's, he's had a challenge getting weight on. He's he's as light as light, and you think he's athletic now. If you had to see him through the under eighteen carnival, it's just everything's straight up. Yep. He just goes straight up, and I reckon if the breeze caught hold of him a couple of times, he could have ended up anywhere. But he's he's starting oh. to develop these young kids. It takes what three years to put another eight ten kilo yep. on this guy. He, he could he could be a freak centre half back. I think. He's the poster boy for a few things. He's not the poster boy for Descent. We'll move our conversation there <laughs> oh, next. No. You're listening to Crunch Time oh, for South it. Australian Tourism Rewards. Wonder, visit southaustralia.com. The award-winning Crunch Time. Buku, knowing, um, seeing him play you know, more at state league level, his initial reaction is... You know, is that against me? You know, or was that against me? Or and he he does that all the time. That's a habit that he's now got to get out of. It's extreme. You know, when you think that it can swing a game. I, I felt like the umpires in recent times had, had applied some common sense around it. But you know, technically, if you're questioning or disputing, it's there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, there's. It's a tough one, Jay. It's a tough one. Luke Beveridge at his press conference last night. So uh, a couple of weeks matters had settled. There was uh, there was one or two last week. Is Tom Hawkins got nabbed for descent in a pretty clear one? He's a gesticulator. He's a pleader. He's he's in danger <laughs> without question. Brad Scott was moved to say that he thought it had become a, a non-issue. It happened twice last night. Is I'm holding. I think Buku was unlucky. I think his arms out to tend the mark got misconstrued as continuing on with the with the descent the degoey one is is more interesting yeah I think. I think you look at it 
and the common sense ones, what's coming from the from the, the umpires. The umpires, look, if you know what they're saying, if they put their like, if they go aggressively, I thought Buku put his arms out initially, as in why didn't I get a free kick? Not anything else, and then as you said, went to put his arms up. But my my confusion was the umpire who was standing right there, who paid the uh, paid the mark, not the free kick, was standing looking at Buku. It was Simon Meredith who was in the middle of the ground, 55 metres away, who called the descent. The non-controlling the umpire. The non-controlling umpire. And then he's radioed through. You could hear in the speaker, he's gone through to the, the field umpire to say, that's 50, so he's taken him back. And then straight afterwards, in the middle of the ground, Dunkley walked up to Meredith and was questioning him about it. And Meredith puts his arm out to say he was putting his arms out for descent. So that's that's where it come from. I think that was what the confusion was because the umpire in charge was standing right there 10 metres away. And then the field umpire, 55 metres away, made that call. So that's where I'm sitting there and going, surely the bloke in charge who just paid the non-free kick sitting there going, well, I don't think it was descent because he's sort of just putting his arms up and he's just asking the question. Can um, the non-controlling umpire, Jared, put his hand up to say, I feel like I'm the victim, quite unquote, no, of no. descent, when no, he's there, not in the decision? There is no victim of descent. It's just simply disputing the decision. So it's like any other objective or subjective measure on the ground. It's not whether I feel you're being mean to me it's it, it does is this disputing the decision and if you are then that's the trigger for the umpires no, but to pay they, it. they have been on the record as saying there is a way to query a decision in a in a non-demonstrative to, to manner talk about a decision okay. subsequent to the hot moment where it happens so it absolutely is within the rights of any of the three umpires on the field to view that as disputing so the we're decision. okay we're okay with that i mean i know we have non-controlling umpires who come over the top and say that's in the back they've got a different view of it that was tripping oh, you were holding him i can see it but when it comes to dissent are we well i think particularly because one of the explanations given in the flashpoint week was that when we're not looking for that we're looking at other things so who was the carlton player uh, in the Port Adelaide game? Oh, from Sydney. And Hewitt. Hewitt. Is he from Sydney? Is it, is yeah, I'm pretty sure that was, yeah. Yeah, that was so, the real obvious one. Yeah, so the explanation Hewitt. given was that the controlling oh, Hewitt, umpire yeah. was looking for the play on to advantage. And, that, and so the question was asked, well, why didn't the other umpires see it and pay it? Mm. So I think that's the, the cue for all of them. But look, I'm more interested in the Dugowie one. So this is matches at its hottest. Collingwood are trying to charge home. Um, uh, an emotion-filled moment. He lays a tackle. Big moment. It, it is in the back. So the, the free kick is correct. So Dugowie might think that he's got a case for holding the ball, but it's the correct free kick in the back. He immediately, that that the fury, so his frustration, his fury is there. And then as soon as he's done it, he reins it back in. Again, no, I can't do that. So he lives both. He lives both descent and restraint one action after the other. Too late. But the umpire's already blown the whistle. But that's that's what we want to see. We want to see the players not going, not committing to it. And he realised straight away. But you go back to the common sense part of it, the build-up to it. And if you're watching the game, Dugowie made two vital mistakes three minutes prior to that. He missed a handball, missed a, kick, or a switch kick, which turned the ball over both times. He tried to make up for it and went and laid that hard physical tackle. Realised he went in the back, and there was more frustration at himself of he's made three mistakes, yeah. turned the ball over three times in three minutes while they were charging, while they were coming back. Naturally, you're disappointed. Naturally, you've made a mistake. You're at yourself going, "Geez, what did I, what did I do that for?" Absolutely. And he's reined in his control. And once again, Simon Meredith was standing there. He blew the whistle straight away and said, "Come back." And Dugowie was like, "Well, I can't argue. I was frustrated, but he held. He did his utmost." To not vent. And so I thought he did a good job. He first vented it 
and then pulled it back in, but which is an interesting you, academic argument. This. Just but once can he you vents just, towards the umpire, can you, that's what are the you laughing at? Just have a listen to the rubbish we are talking right now. We're talking about the, if you start with nonsense, it's hard to pare it back. <laughs> okay, this this whoever said that is dissent. You know, palms up, arms out. Got it totally wrong, because nine times out of ten, it's not. It's what. It's it's a it's a common action that's not necessarily having a go at the umpire. So Buku, I don't think was really showing any great passion towards the umpire. It was well, a query. It's a query. So we started that. That's become the benchmark for dissent. Ridiculous. Yep. And we now, are, now we're fi- oh. we're finding ourselves talking about the parameters around what you can. You know, you've got to internalise it now. You can't. You can't be outwardly demonstrative. Oh, what can we do? Can we do this? Oh, Brad Scott says it's all working. It's fine. It's gone. There we and go. all of a sudden, bang, bang. This is what this is. When you create something like this, you create another layer of anger for the fan. It is just ridiculous at the moment. We need to find a way to get rid of this arms out being fifty, because it's it's not what it's designed to be. Kingy, you answered your own question. You said, "Where do we get that the arms out's dissent?" I reckon they went through and they said, "Brad, what is dissent?" And they watched every one of his coaching games, and every time they crossed him in the box, his arms were wide out. So he's gone, well, that's dissent. As soon as you put your arms out, that's his understanding of dissent because he may, he, he may have said a few other words on top of that when he was coaching, but well, I, I agree with you. You've they were got coming to let... last night. They were coming, the pies. Oh, without a doubt. And, and there was those few kick. little... I know it was, but the free kick and then the 50 well, is saying... a killer. Yeah. They were charging. Decisive? The they, they had... They had one chance to run at them in that game, and the previous eight to ten minutes, they were they were gaining some momentum. I'm not for a minute saying they would have won, but it just it just shut down all opportunity immediately. And this is the moment we fear with this rule that come September, exactly. come big games when the pressure is at its hottest and the players are so invested in the game with the blinkers on, it only takes a second for human reactions to come into play, and that's when I think we ask oh so much of our players, Jared, in the moment. Like Jordan to go, like, you'd hate. You would. Oh, you'd be, you can. Can you imagine the fallout if it decides a final? Just Scrap it now. Don't, Scrap it now. Scrap the arms out now. Your emotion as a player, the the games you look forward to, the games that you wind yourself up and you get pumped and ready to go for, grand finals for uh, grand finals, any final, and Friday night football. I used to look at the schedule and go, who are we playing Friday night? Well, now it's Thursday, first game of the week. I look at it and go, who are we playing? It's a big game. You know people are going to be watching. You pump yourself up. You want to play well because it means it's a, a free weekend and the coach is happy and everyone's happy. You build yourself up to a Friday night big game, just like you do in finals and grand final. That's when you're most accessible to vent or, or be frustrated with a mistake that you've made. And it mm. might be at you. It might be your teammate. But if the umpires take it that it's at them, and as you said, it's costly in one of those big games – you don't want to be at the end of a final grand final talking about this. No, but I'll, I'll disagree with you. So I accept all of that. But Dugowie directed his dissent toward the umpire. He did. did. It, yeah. It, without question. So don't do that. Feel whatever you feel, but don't direct it toward the umpire. So that's it's not asking you not to feel emotion. What it's asking you is don't vent at the umpire. I'll put it this way. How about his turnaround? He heard the whistle. He's turned around to see what the decision was. Was it holding the ball in the back? And then he saw it was in the back and he vented himself. Oh, I've got to know enough football. <laughs> I was never going to win that, that argument. I thought I was too much into I that. I, I, can, I can wear this that. This is the rule. No, I get Sorry. that. I can wear that one. I can wear when you actually do have that emotion directed at the umpire. But the hands out of Buku Kamas 
is is not dissent in any way, shape, or form. But because we've come up with this nonsense that this is dissent, holding well, our arms King, out in your pumps, it's going to be inconsistently applied like every rule. rule but but players know that if they do it, you're rolling the dice. You're running like, the gauntlet. So if you get away with it, well, you got away with it. But if you don't, well. It's got away with it. No one's thinking for a minute that they've got away with 50 when they do that. Well, we've been seeing it. No it's one's been thinking, inconsistently. Oh, got away with that one, little win. Well, it, yes, the they fifth, are. The, no, they're not. Yes, they are. We've seen players put it out, rein it back in, get away with it. We've seen that over the last Arms few up. weeks. Straight to your head. Yep. You know, hands on heads. It, only when the 50 comes. The oh, 50, so, the, the, so that the, comes the hammer, down. The hammer blow drops. It, it's the 50 that costs the goal. That's the thing. Look, the average free kick, you can defend. You can, you've got opportunity to defend a lost possession. I just worry about it. That's a score. Worry about it in the big games and the big moments when you're not thinking about anything else other than. You'll be the first to complain in a final. I just said. I just. You will though. You you can't put up with it all year and then not change it. We've got all the time now. We've got three months to make change. Don't sit idle and wait till it costs a final. Don't don't do that. I think so. I think the umpires have found a really good level for it. I don't think the Buku fifties in keeping with what we've seen over the past three weeks. I think the Dugowie one is. And I could use the, the Tom Hawken example from Canberra the week before. In the moment that you happen, you go, nah, Tom, you're not getting away with that. So what, about sure the long, what about the long one of uh, the game at Monaco two, two weeks ago where he basically yep. holds the ball <laughs> in his right hand and puts both hands out and says, come on, that can't be a free. And, then and they don't pay that. Yeah, yeah. And that's worse than we've seen from any of them. I, I, just, I can't handle the inconsistency because it's arms out. So I, I think you've got, to, you've got to take that off the table. And just say, we, we're not paying it for arms out. We're paying it actually for dissent. For dissent, What yeah. you do to the umpire. Yeah. Mm. I, so I think the umpires have set a better level of that in the yep. past three weeks. And I think Buku is the exception rather than the rule. I think Dugowie's the rule. Mm. Uh, if you do that as a player, you are going to concede the 50. But we so you modify your own behaviour <laughs> before we get to the finals. That was the other one with Buku just then when he got Bay pushing the back. He just put his arms up. Yeah, that was brilliant. So he learned his lesson. <laughs> yeah. oh, I can't do that. What about Dugowie's night more broadly? He's a fascination, isn't he? He's, he's the sickness and the cure, this guy. I could show you a vision of where he's not defensively engaged and, and sometimes the star factor players that have 20 disposals and kick a couple of goals get away with a little bit because they're, they're, their good is so good that it swings games. But I, I think he cost them three or four goals last night uh, with, his, with his lax defensive efforts. And against the dogs, when they start flicking that ball around, Hodgie, you don't get another chance to compete. It's out, gone, and they're spread, and see you later. So... He's a, he's a fascination. Everyone's saying, you know, you must sign him, you must do this, you must do that. I think you just hold at the moment. You just, I wouldn't be paying big money right now. No, there's a cap on what you can pay him because of what you have identified. This is all of him. Mm. So you can't just go for the three games where he blows it apart. You have mm. to measure in the others, and then you have to measure in the whole journey. There's a, a, a really clear cap, which I think Collingwood has well identified, as to what the maximum contract offer to him is. And that... that- it comes with maturity, doesn't it? That off-ball stuff is when, when you get drafted, you're in there because, and especially, I'll put him a little bit like Dusty as far as when they, for the, we knew what we could get from in and under, competitive beast, they're bulls, they can go forward, kick goals, they can get clearances. It's not until you start to mature and understand the game more that he's got to do more work off the ball. He, went in, he went in for 20 centre-bounce uh, opportunities last night and he, he was involved in four clearances for the whole game. Yep. His contested game is not as good as what we think it is right now. 
David King and Luke Hodge with you on Crunch Time for South Australia Tourism Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. What does the first vacancy do to the coaching market? The last day of Leon Cameron at the Giants is tomorrow. The Chief Executive of the Giants, Dave Matthews, will join us as all eyes turn to Alistair Clarkson. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. We're deep into our work on Crunch Time. So much to discuss out of last night, and it was an eventful week off the field. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, David King, and Luke Hodge with you. A May vacancy in the coaching ranks is it's earlier than usual, and... One job does funny things to the market as everybody looks in the mirror and goes, what's our plan here? <laughs> and Alistair Clarkson, sort of the looming figure of Alistair Clarkson, uh, has never loomed larger can, than it does right have a, now. Can you have a good plan when Alistair becomes available? Can you still have a good plan or is it gone? <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is a, it's a unique moment in time. So... First of all, the, the Leon Cameron resignation and the, the timing at the Giants. How did you how did you take Thursday in? Oh, I thought it was just the template for how did you do these things. You know, you have a mature understanding, a great relationship that you've built over 10 years. You've got to be able to have those honest conversations. Sounds like they've had three or four uh, from the preseason forward. The long goodbye doesn't work in AFL footy, whether it's a player that you love and has been there for a decade and has had success or he hasn't, or it's a coach. The long goodbye doesn't work. You make a decision, you shake hands, you say you might not agree with it, but this is where we're going. You always pay a coach out. I'm a believer in that. I love the idea that now we pay, we make the decision and we give them a final game. I think that's really touching uh, for the fans and it just shows the ultimate respect. I think it's been done really well. Couldn't agree more. I think if you sit back and look, especially what they've been through, it was a simple decision for both to make. Liam would have been, if he's keen for the, for the fight and wants to rebuild, I'm happy to do it. And if they want him. So it's a clear discussion. Both teams either tick and say yes and go to a grant. If not, if one of them has doubts or they've seriously both sat, sat down and gone, well, Leon's either not up for the build or, or GWS just want to go a different way. And they've parted ways. And there's no point holding on for this because it's only going to be speculation. Media going to be pushing it. And that's where fights, fights break out internally when you hold on to this for another five or six weeks to sort of see how it's going and prolong the, the answer. So I, I agree. It's It's... It's happened a lot earlier in other weeks, but my interest now is what's going to happen. Because as you said, Clarko's sitting there available. What are other clubs going to do? Collingwood last year forced Hawthorne's hand. Where as soon as they got, as soon as Buckley stood down, they said, "Well, we're going to have to Mitchell." So they're going to make you make a decision, and they made Hawthorne make a decision. Is it going to be Clarkson or Mitchell? Mm-hmm. So it forced other clubs to to. What do we? We don't want to miss out on this. Who are we going to go for? So the next month to six weeks is going to be so big in AFL. Who's going to be stable and stick with their coach or who's going to say, well, hang on, if we don't part ways, are we going to miss out on the chance of getting the best coach of the last 20 years? So a a lot's going to happen. It's a fascinating discussion, Leon Cameron. Sit with Leon for a sec. I think he's been nine out of ten in unifying a club and creating an organisation, an actual football club. I think he's done a great job there and that, that would be a significant challenge. I think he's been an 8 out of 10 motivator, been able to you know, energise the group, get them up for a performance, all those sorts of things. Probably 6.5 to 7 out of 10 for strategy. And I think we'll look back when the dust settles a little bit and say, OK, that level of talent, 
they're the results. Is that in keeping with with what we expected? Is that in keeping with what the other coaches could have done with this group? I think that when the reality of, okay, they had this bloke at his peak, this bloke at his peak, this bloke at his peak. I mean, they're marquee players in our game. You know, they never really defended like the rest of the competition did. They sort of talked about it and they, they offered it up every sixth week. But they never really engaged without the footy, the Giants. And I think at the end of the day, there, there was a flag left hanging somewhere. 2016 was where it's hanging. Yeah. They, they had that game one, I don't know how many times. And they'd belted Sydney. They would have met Sydney back at the MCG. And if, I mean, geez, that's the sliding doors one for mine. And you talk about players being in their peak, but... How many years did they have an injury list that just wouldn't quit? And they had their own inquests into what was going on with our high-performance team as well. So whether it be by design or just by bad luck, gee, they caught the rough end of the stick with injuries over the journey. Leon yeah. players that he didn't have at his disposal at crucial times. Yeah, I think they were 17 points up in that prelim start of the last quarter. I mean, they're the opportunities that you rue forever. I mean, Leon, Leon more than us. But, um, yeah, that'll be the discussion. It's maybe not for today. Maybe it's a bit early to be doing that, but... Uh, you know, I think he's been fantastic at setting up a football club, and whoever takes over now walks in with still high-level talent. That's on the. It's been through that rebuild phase, I think, in a, in a short space of time, Hodgie. So I think they're ready for another opportunity within the next two or three years. Yeah, and the the 2016 ones. Every club goes through that when you've had inexperienced players that have got to that stage and I guess faltered under that pressure of a prelim. You, Every player that plays AFL has been in that situation, has had times where they've let himself down all the team and, and no doubt they're shaking their head. But for them to respond, get to a grand final, and clearly when they the grand final against Richmond, Richmond were just too good. They were too good for anyone that year. That The series that Richmond had over those three years. But the fight that they've been able to have when their back's against the wall with injuries, with players that have left, well, there's there's been so many people that have walked out the door which are high-quality top draft picks that have gone to other clubs for, for more money. Um, I, I still think he's done a, a really good job up there. And considering he, he walked into a club that was young, yes, Sheedy was the, the, the poster person for AFL up there, but they trusted him to come in and, and mould all these high draft picks into a team to be able to push for a flag. And, and I thought he did a really good job to keep him up there. He, won, he did. He's won a final the last four years, I think it has. Um, so for what he's been able to do, but as I said, you sit back and it's almost like a well done, but, they're obviously on a path to go a different way, and, and they've done the right thing in, in part of ways. They do sit in their own little bracket, don't they? The coaches like Nathan Buckley and Leon Cameron, and we've seen it over time. Those that have been there for nine, ten years that have gone to the summit but haven't put the flag in the ground, and they've had to come back down, and they've reached that crossroad moment. And it, it would, history would say that's almost the use-by date, for lack of a better phrase, for those guys because – the next contract's a big one for the next guy coming in. Where are they going? They've got to be up for the fight again all over again. So those that have been there and put their flag in the ground, totally different conversation. But those that have come back down the cliff seem to reside in this area where that nine to ten years is the, is the cutoff. Yeah. I, I look at GWS and it's it's not the the rebuilders of a, a North Melbourne or, or anything like that. They've still got some – you look at and what they did to Adelaide and, and some of the players that got on their list, you sit back and go – they're pretty handy. Like they're they're good. Good. They can win their own ball. They can work hard. It's just obviously they've dropped the bundle a little bit and they've lost a bit of confidence. Um, so if you're taking over that list, I sit back and go. There's a lot of upside to a new coach with some new ideas walking into that job. Yeah, I don't think that it's a rebuild at all. But I uh, I think they have rebuilt over the last couple of years. Fresh opportunity. They've lost some talent. The Cameron decision was a big one. Um, got three first round draft picks for 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 mm. Jeremy. 
uh, effectively. So now they're, they're in they're in good shape. The, the question is, how many other jobs are going to be available, Jared? Yeah. That that that, that really challenge an Alistair Clarkson, a Nathan Buckley, a Don Pike, or the next wave of of coach as well. I mean, you've got some wonderful, you know, Adam Uze, I think Ash Hansen, Daniel Jean Syracuse, all these guys, their names will come to the fore again. So I think Uze is the most interesting figure there. So yet there are clearly two different ways you can go. Uze's running the box of the absolute benchmark team while the coach is down on the bench and there are great endorsements of his work mm. is, and it, and it's May. This is the curiosity, I think, is how do you navigate from May <laughs> to September? If you go for Uze and plant your flag and go, he's the next great coach. I think that's such an easy sell. But how on earth do you get to him whilst they're going to be in action till at least the second last week of the season? Yeah. Well, you couldn't get, you couldn't land him in no, season. No, no, but I think it's because even Because you'd harder. have to walk from the club. Imagine if he left Melbourne at round 12. Uh, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't have that situation. They're just, they've just got the long... They've got the long foray into making a decision, haven't they? And they're going to strip back everything at the club. They'll know everything about their football club and their program over the next month of um, before they even start that process, you'd think, unless Alistair Clarkson says yes, sooner rather than later. What, what do you think GWS's biggest flaw is on their game style? They don't defend. If you speak to people at Melbourne, what did Adam Muse bring to Melbourne? Well, he, I know he did a fair bit with the midfield and that, that power running that we talk about a lot, leg drive and, and, and that sort of thing with the mids. I've been told by a lot of people that his defensive structure, and what, you know, if you watch them play their off-ball movement distraction, mids defending, spreading out wide, covering all the exits, they reckon he's been very important into that. So if you can bring his mindset from Hawthorne, who I know that he defended, he was a coach down there at the defence, pushed that really well. And then from a lot of people that I spoke to at Melbourne said he really drove the defensive structure behind the ball. And they can't penetrate through Melbourne's defence. So if you add his defensive mindset plus the flair of GWS, it could be a, a pretty can, good mix. Can you take the risk if you're the Giants? Like, say they don't get Clarkson. Can you take the risk on a first-timer at the Giants? Yes, I think you can. So I don't think the Suns can, but I think the Giants can. I okay. think the Suns can choose the next. Uh, the Giants can choose the next great coach, whereas I think the Suns have had to go at that. And if they choose to move off Stewie Dew, then they have to go for something that they know is established. So I think the Giants have got the whole gamut to work with. They can work from the most experienced to the least experienced and find what suits them best. I like their position in the coaches' market. Their chief executive Dave Matthews is with us on Crunch Time. Dave, great to have you with us. Good afternoon, guys. How important was it to have a dignified exit where really this is the first time in Giants history that the club and a coach are parting ways? I think it was very important and I, and I always felt that, that that would be the case. I think you know, we're pretty proud of the fact that well, we've had two coaches in 11 years and you know, two outstanding people in terms of their contribution. Obviously, Kevin Sheedy with his track record and everything he was able to bring and then handing over to Leon Cameron, um, you know, and he grew and developed as a coach alongside the, the players he had and, and the young club we were building. So I, I thought it was really important, and it's you know, something that was um, a real priority for us. The conversation happens in May, and obviously it had happened along the way, Dave. If you, if you had your time coming into the season again, uh, would you have come in in this way, knowing that by round nine you're changing coaches? 
Uh, I, I don't think anyone would have any regrets about how we've gone about it. We tried to be as measured and pragmatic as we could be by just simply saying that uh, rather than rushing to a decision either way, let's just see how things unfolded. And I think we said really yeah, that we were even comfortable with that carried through to the end of the year. Um, and, and just we, it was really an agreement to just continue to talk about how things were unfolding. And, um, you know, I, I guess at two and six, when you sit down and start to have those conversations about what the future looks like for, for both the club and, and the coach, um, it really, as we've said, the discussion sort of reached a pretty natural conclusion. And, and now this weekend, I mean, I've really been pleased to just see the acknowledgement and the um, outpouring, I guess, across the AFL industry for such a fine person. He's, he's made an amazing contribution. He's really been full-time in the game since age 16, which is which is pretty unique in itself. And, uh, you know, this weekend is going to be, a, I hope, a great acknowledgement and celebration of, of Leon Cameron because of what he's been able to do for us, and not just us, but also the AFL in, in hostile territory. Leon got to so he articulated that he'd got to his own decision. He described coaching as zapping. Had had you and the board got to your own decision as well that that you would go in a new direction next year? No, we hadn't as a board. In fact, we had a scheduled board meeting on Thursday, just gone. It, it had been set down months in advance, and that and and the discussion really took place on Tuesday. So it was a it was really ahead of the board meeting, and it was it was you know, basically as we've described, it was a sort of reached mutual agreement on you know is this what we should do, and uh, you know I think it is zapping. I mean it's a it's a tiring um, and relentless role in any case, but I think it's sometimes more so because of the the scrutiny and and conjecture that he's he's sometimes faced. I, I just got enormous admiration for what he's been able to achieve. His, his resilience is incredible. He's he's very optimistic person and just keeps pushing forward. But I think it just reached a point for him on Tuesday where he thought, you know, I think he described it as let's get some fresh air. So um, that's what's happened. How was it um, discussed to the to the playing group? Because I've, I've been through it at, at Hawthorne early on. How did the, the players take it and how was that presented to them? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, Luke. I, it's, I think they were very emotional. I mean, you often hear conversations when coaches move on about whether he's you know, coaches lost the players, as, as often the phrase. I don't think that would be the case here. They got, you know, they got a deep affection for him, and there was a lot of emotion in the room when he, you know, he simply sort of stood up in front of the group after he'd spoken to the leaders and after he'd spoken to his own coaching group. He, he stood up in front of the whole group and and basically said, you know, I'm calling time, boys. I'm going to um, going to make Sunday my last game, and that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of emotion. I mean, there's there'd be all all sorts of emotions going through different individuals' um, minds, but I think the overwhelming view would be that everybody's indebted to him. Everyone appreciates what he's been able to achieve as as the leader of this team, and um, yeah, there's some sadness there for sure. But also, I think um, you know people were uh, appreciative of you know the way he explained it and what he wanted to do next and being the person he is, he just encouraged everyone that, you know, just stay tight and push forward. So yeah, it was, it was pretty emotional day all around. I think tomorrow will be as well. Dave, often when we see coaches change uh, from, from club to club, the club tends to go after the opposite type of person that they previously had. 
they tend to they tend to go from the, the the younger coach to an experienced coach, a softer hand, or they go the other way from the softer hand to someone who's a little bit more forceful, or a ball movement coach to a contested coach. I know it's very early. I know you haven't even had time to to, to catch your breath a little bit. But what Leon was was a uniting person for your football club. He started as a young coach. Do you like the idea of a young coach that grows with the group, with your football club, or are you open to all options? Yeah, I think I think it, look, it's clearly it's a discussion for yeah, a, a later time. So we haven't really turned him on to too much. And in fact, um, I think you know King, it, you know, Jason McCartney has unfortunately been going through difficult a difficult week with the passing of his father and um, so he's been absent from the club the last few days. His dad's funeral was yesterday, so we've, you know, it's been an emotional couple of weeks for the club on that in that front as well. And um, so, we, you know, we really haven't turned our mind to that yet. Our priority is to is to celebrate Leon. But you know, what you just described there is that that actually we have seen uh, pretty unusual in a sense, isn't it, to take a risk as a young club on a first-time head coach, which is what we did with Leon. Mm. Um, and I think when you had experienced heads like Gabby Allen and, and Kevin Sheedy and others making the sort of assessment about who was going to take over from Sheeds, you know, I mean, I, I haven't got that level of expertise, obviously, and you sort of sit back and listen to the way they um, assessed Leon. And, you know, we've, we've probably told the story a couple of times, but in his interview, he, I think when Tony Shepherd asked him, at the outset, what, how are you going to uh, coach his side? He said, well, can, can I actually talk to you about my values first? And I can still remember him because he just said, you know, it's honesty, empathy and curiosity and this is who he, this is, this is who he was and that's what he wanted to describe. And it, so you look at it and go, okay, so this, it's not always easy to go from an assistant coach to a head coaching role. I've seen a lot of times it doesn't work out and this one did. It's absolutely worked out and, you know, Luke would have had, had time with him at Hawthorne. So, yeah, I, I guess the... The ultimate um, answer to your question is just we'd have an open mind. I think it's we've got time now to think through it, think about you know, what the needs might be or who's out there, and I, I wouldn't really rule anything in or out. Will, will James Hurd take any more of an active role within the coaching setup, Dave, for the remainder of the season to either give you or him a feel for, for what coaching might look like? It's a possibility because he's been involved. And he's obviously um, got a strong relationship with Mark McVeigh. So I would say it's a possibility. But at this stage, he's been actually away um, in Europe on, on, on some business. And, you know, his role with our club so far has been a, obviously of a part-time nature and in some ways remote uh, from Melbourne from time to time. So, yeah, that's, that, that'll be a question that Mark will be, I think, mulling over in the next few days. Do you have the imagination to to consider Hurd as a possibility? Uh, I don't know. Look, I, I guess I don't know what, what would be in his mind about what his own aspirations would be. I think uh, from our point of view, and I think, again, the AFL family, if you like, I think we're just all so delighted that he's back in football and he's happy and healthy and all of those things, and that, that's the real priority. And, you know, we've... We've also said that his involvement at the club really came with the imprimatur of Leon Cameron himself. Leon wanted him. Leon was always looking at areas of the club that could improve and wanted him involved. And his involvement's been beneficial to both parties so far, but I'm not really sure what the future might look like. 
I know you're a lateral thinker, Dave. He's not over there talking to Ange Postacoglu, is he? He's not <laughs> trying to secure someone a bit next level. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows what he's, uh, what he's looking at. I know he has been going at some soccer games, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just a, it's going to be an interesting time ahead and the next few weeks just to think through what, what a thorough, comprehensive process would look like and who might be involved in that. But, as I say, at the moment, we're just really focused on tomorrow's game. It's nice to be back at Giant Stadium. We'd expect a crowd of 10,000 plus. Hopefully the weather, sun keeps shining and, uh, and, the, and the boys salute to their coach. Dave, I'm not saying this is the motivation by absolutely any stretch because it's not, but the fact that you've made the decision in May, I mean, does it, is there anything to be read into the fact that it, does it give you an advantage when it comes to what is next, appointing the next guy, if there is to be, you know, competition for the next, for the next guy? I think I think it does. I think I think that wasn't a driving force behind a decision. I think there's other reasons, as we've sort of outlined, mm. that it, you, know, you can never really pick your timing in these things. I think, you know, and and it's rare to see a coach and a club finishing on such good terms. You, you'd like to think it wasn't rare. You'd like to think it happened more often. But you know, the timing in footy, you can't always pick or dictate. But you know, to your point, um, clearly, if you know, we're the only club with a vacancy then clearly that does you know give you a, a i guess a broader view of 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 what you can consider so yeah i, yeah. I know what you mean yeah and i don't want to push you on this because i know acknowledging absolutely that he's got a game to coach tomorrow but do you form a committee in this situation um obviously a list as a result of that is that, is that something or is it strictly in-house do you bring others in consultants and the like or how do you anticipate you might go about it yeah not i not so so sure what we'd do from an external point of view. Whether anyone else would be involved beyond at the moment the chairman, mm. uh, the chairman of our footy committee, which is Jimmy Bartell, and, and our general manager of football, Jason McCartney. That's probably the group at the moment. I think I've never been, or I've probably never thought too much about externals because I, I don't know that they always know what you actually need. They haven't. They don't know exactly what the culture of the club is or the environment that. The Giants might have. You know, Sheedy sat on a, a panel for us as he was as he was moving out, but he just had a, he had a unique frame of reference. But yeah, I think you know Jimmy Bartel's brought an enormous amount to our club. In in again, you know, lateral thinking was is required at a club like ours. We don't have past players necessarily that are available to be directors of football. So we've been mm. fortunate, I think, to have someone of Jimmy Bartel's caliber. Um, working with us, so he'll play a critical role. One of the great accidents of timing on Thursday night was that Alistair Clarkson was on 360. <laughs> Dave, did you tune in just to hear what he might have to say? <laughs> I did, yeah. I yeah. Did. What did you um, think? <laughs> I thought it was compelling viewing. Um, no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think that's that's the theatre of this game, isn't it? It was um, unusual timing or, or great coincidence, as you say, but uh, look, yeah, I think clearly when somebody's as revered as he is with the track record, he is, his, his name's going to come up in those sort of conversations. But it's just not—it's just not a topic for us at the moment, really. We just—we are focused on what's in front of us, and we'll we'll form that committee and develop a sort of a list of competencies and other things, and and move into a process. That I—that's all given. But did he leave you with? So he left me with the impression that he is going to coach again. Did he leave you with that impression? I think most people would would have 
imagined that he would have that imagination that he would coach again at some point. I mean, he's clearly, he clearly still has the passion and the drive. And, you know, I guess one of the things that he's always been admired for is, is, is the way he goes away and, and, and being over with the Golden State Warriors and having a look at different things. So he, he continues to seek knowledge, as Kevin Sheedy would say. And he's, if he's got an enthusiasm, I'm sure that there's a job somewhere at some point across so, the competition, but who knows? So, David, it sounds like you've been following him if you've been uh, tracking him over to GWS. Oh, sorry, over to uh, Golden State Warriors. No, I was just interested <laughs> in hearing him talk about it. I, I think I saw that. I think, like a lot of people, I just saw that little clip on social media where yeah. <laughs> was a superstar didn't have to go through uh, yes. security, but he did. I thought it was amusing. But I asked, anyway. I asked Clarko about your list. He said you're lacking a couple of point guards. I'm not sure what he was talking about. <laughs> um, Will you? Is there the capacity to bring anybody else into your coaching staff, Dave? Given that this is a long stretch from here, and once Leon leaves, you are one body short. Yeah, there's. Likely to be a bit of a cabinet reshuffle in terms of you know, what what resourcing we might be able to put behind Mark McVeigh because we yeah we don't we don't want to we don't want to move forward with a one short or man down sort of I guess sentimental feeling about it all. So I know Mark's started to think about that and he's often, he's had a lot of those conversations with Leon as well. Leon, uh, in some ways, was was almost preparing Mark for this. Uh, eventuality. So those guys are very aligned on you know, how, how things should structure up. Dave, thanks for your time today and good luck tomorrow as you see off your long-time coach. Pleasure, guys. Thanks very much. Dave, Dave well Matthews, mate. the Chief Executive of the Giants. We'll uh, pull a little bit further <laughs> on that next and Luke, we'll get your impressions of your old coach having listened to him speak and his mode is really clear. He's coming back to win more premierships um, and he'll make his assessments um, on a cultural level, but there's a very much winning time about him. Crunch time for South Australia Tourism. Rewards wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. If I didn't feel like I was the bloke that could take that club or that group of players to, uh, to win it, then I'll just stay out of the game. Um, I've got other things that I can do and other, other passions that I want to that I want to chase. Um, so pretty much, first and foremost, whether that's a one or two year time frame or whether it's a five or six year yep. time frame, it's just like I'm only coming back into it for one reason and that's because I feel like this group can win it. In it to win it if he comes back. Alistair Clarkson on 360 on Thursday night. We're gearing up for the games today thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Luke Hodge, what did you hear in your old coach? Uh, Well, I wasn't surprised. Um, Knowing him for for 15, 16 years, um, there's only one reason why he coaches. He coaches to win premierships. Um, And is he going to be committed enough to, to take a team from whether it's the bottom all the way up to the top or, or from a, a list like GWS to the top, um, he's definitely got the passion to do it, without a doubt. All you've got to talk to him, he, he goes across, he continually tries to make himself better. That's why, yes, everyone sees him going across and watching um, the Warriors play basketball, but he's over there studying um, to make himself more rounded as a person, which makes him a better coach, manager of, of people. Um, but one thing I do know about Clarko, and yes, GWS have... have now got a, a 
vacancy for a coach at round eight, he's not going to make that call at round 12 or round 16. He's going to sit back. He's going to assess his options, and he's not going to rush in. And, and just because the media speculation is going to be putting pressure and asking him questions, um, he's got a lot going on in his personal life as well. What's he going to do? Maddie's son's doing year 12. So he, after this year, he's got the flexibility to go wherever he wants to go, so that opens up a lot for him. Um, but he's not going to make a rash decision when there's a lot of time, and coaches will want him to lock him in, but he's going to sit back and, and watch everything unfold and make a calculated decision what's best for, for Karen and, and himself. Does it make it hard for the Giants in a process that's going to be lengthy? Is So the worst thing you can get in any walk of life is the slow no. <laughs> Just slow tell me if the answer is no, no the so we can go no. on. The slow no. The slow no. What other is... walk, walks of life does the slow no hurt you? Just don't want the slow. You get strung on for weeks. <laughs> just give me the just give okay. me the no, well, this is a and let me get on with it. Little little microscope into your world. So Jack. What, what if Clarko doesn't want to talk till August? Do like do you just sit there and wait till August? Well, what's a lot when you go to get your Hungarian salami at the deli and you got to take a ticket and get in line, Jared? I mean, and are we overcomplicating it? Is it as simple as this? If Alistair Clarkson actually says. For all the for all your external help in some cases, or forming committees, or going through the process, if Alistair Clarkson says, "Yeah, I'd love to coach you guys," is it that simple? Then all bets are off. He's in, isn't he? Yeah. But, but with that though, it's it's he he won't make that decision. He's no, not he going to come and say round ten. Not so, now. And that's the hardest thing for for GWS is normally if you say you're a coaching vacancy and you go and ask four or five first time coaches, they'll jump at it and you've appointed you could have appointed a bloke within a month if the person at the top of your list is holding out and just wants to see how everything unfolds without making a rash decision, all of a sudden you're sitting there going, well, we may have him as one, but do we go and talk to two, three, four just in case? But but he would know now. Alistair Clarkson would know now whether he wanted to coach GWS or not, surely. What is going to change between now and August? Options. Well, options, yeah. What happens oh, in between oh, now yeah, and August? But he would but, isolating him just as GWS at the moment. Would you he, go back to your salami? If you got the third best salami <laughs> that can be and, ham you, or, and, you, and you have to wait for turkey's you, good you have to wait for six weeks to get salami or to get ham or turkey, would you wait for your preference or would you like take a back the first order. option? Mm. Why, why rush when you got options? You guys are asking for different <laughs> things. Jared's getting no to something you're getting yes for. <laughs> the Alistair Clarkson interview what went for fifteen minutes. This is this is this is all I heard. Players there, you know, you, you see this. Oh, would, would would you would you coach North? Yeah, yeah. That's all I heard. <laughs> that's all I heard. Would you coach North? Yeah. <laughs> that's your takeaway. That, that's it. I didn't hear anything else. You you took that high pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's convincing. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's. I think what he's going to do, he's going to look for the best batch of young talent. That's my take on it. Well, that's what I mean. He's going to build it over the next two to three years. And with the, with the intention to win, I don't think one premiership. I think a string of premierships. So he's not he's not jumping into any club. He's looking, in my opinion, he's looking at the list specifically, and then he'll work the club around that. So he would have an opinion. He, he would have an opinion on the Giants right now. Hundred percent. He would have an opinion on every list. What Clark, Clark over the last twelve months hasn't gone away and just blocked off AFL. He's assessed every list, watching, scouting keeping up to date with the game because everyone knows if you take a little bit of time outside of football, you lose a lot. If you're not in and watching and trying to understand how teams are playing. So he would have assessed every list on the AFL of what their strengths and weaknesses are. So then when this decision does come, he knows exactly what their strengths and weaknesses are. It's not just a guess or I'm going to jump back oh, into it. Yeah, Tom Rockliffe said he was doing a lot more than that, Kingy. He yeah. was actively ringing. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and look, it's a big investment, isn't it? I mean, it's a huge decision. So you, 
He'll come in and he'll tr- he'll he'll be looking to instantly trade some of the senior players wherever he goes. He's he's looking to do what he did at Hawthorne, come in and maximise the list. He's coming to the end. I want to get a second rounder for him. I want to get a third rounder for him. These are the kids at the core. I've got to tailor everything around these these eight young elite draft picks that I've got originally on the list, and I want to get another four in the next you know season or, or one draft if he can, most likely two. I think that's what he's going to be looking at personally. Um, because he's not looking to win one. He's looking to win three or four. All I know is he continually plans for the future. Uh, go back to, we were planning for the International Series in 2014, and I'm mates with Paddy Dangerfield, so he wanted me to come along and just talk to Paddy about the International Series and who else we could get. When we walked in there, it felt like he was poaching Dangerfield to come to Hawthorne. Yeah. So the whole chat wasn't about the All-Australians, it was about his future and what he's doing, and does he like Melbourne? And So he was planning just as to, I guess, plant the seed for danger to come to Hawthorne. Um, also, when I told him that I was going to go to Brisbane and was just going to go through the pre-season draft, he started planning, well, if they've got some high draft picks. If we can trade you off, at least that way you get there first and we can get picked 40, 44. He doesn't do things without a plan. Everything he does, he knows what he's doing it for. So it's going to be a calm, it's going to be a calculated, and it's going to be a decision that's not going to be rushed. He's got, first of all, the most important part, he's got to make sure Karen's happy to move if they do move. Yeah. Um, does he stay Melbourne? Does he go abroad? Matty with his study, does he? Does Matt next year when he goes to uni, does he go interstate? He's going to bring all these decisions into one. It's going to be a calculated decision later in the year. If it's September mm. or October, it's, no it's not going to be a rush for him. He's in no rush at all. And as you said, the longer it waits, the more options will be unfolded in front of him. Yeah, he's in no rush, but the clubs, <laughs> they'll be in a hell of a rush. When, when you pick a date, Jared. When will, they, when, will they annou- when will the announcement that has Alistair Clarkson's name Attached to a, a club, when will it be announced? Give It'll me a date. be in the first two weeks of September. That's a long – give me – I wanted a date. You'll give me September half a month, uh, what September the, 1. Let me find the buy. Yes. So it'll be August It'll be the centrepiece of the Gap Week. Gap Week. Ooh, a um, bit of me, me, me time for Clarko. Is that what you're saying? A bit of Clarko Week. So t- teams will be – the teams who are into him will be finished. He'll be able to make his decision. Oh. Uh, where's our Gap Round 23. Yeah, I like this. Round 23. So it'll be the last week of August. Wow. AFL will love that. It's a quiet, nothing happens that week. No, no, Two no. weeks of Clarko and what a, he's going to do. It should be a I'm, I'm it's volunteering a for, for AFLW. A, for the Lord Braun program, the decision. Yes. <laughs> where all the contenders sit is Koshy's up there and um, <laughs> Tony Shepard's up there. I'll give you the tip if that happens on a Thursday night. The chances of Lachlan, Rewalt, and Rewalt hosting the AFL 360 have just have just dropped off <laughs> severely. <laughs> They've got form. They're, they, they're the incumbents. I think it'll be post-season, Jared. I think it'll be after the grand final. Okay. Week after the grand final. The bounce back for Duraveg, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. We're going to talk Tassie shortly, but Hobart today. So North Melbourne have lived a very public week. What, what do we look for from them? <laughs> when they take to the field today against Port Adelaide? Uh, snippets. I understand the urgency from, for everyone to see the Kangaroos winning. I don't think winning's a discussion at the moment. I think quarters, in quarters, system, development, all those other factors take priority at the minute. So first and foremost, you want to see effort, which is a given. I think that's nothing to do with actual coaching. If you can't get that, you're in trouble. And then I think the, the, the competitiveness for longer periods of games. You may be beaten by bigger bodies. You may be beaten by better talent. But you can't be beaten for effort uh, and intent. 
And then there's a little bit of system in it. We still need to see what David Noble's system actually looks like. I heard Jack Zebel with you the other day say, you know, it works. Well, I don't know I don't know what evidence you've got so far that says it absolutely works because the margins have been significant. So if it has worked, it's only worked for brief periods. We talked about them playing through the corridor out of the back line on AFL 360 on Wednesday night. I don't know why they're doing that. Give the back line a chance. You're bleeding heavily. Play a bit wider. You know, let Aiden Core settle. Let them find a defensive positioning at the moment. At the moment, it's all over the place. So I want to just see... I want to see 10-minute windows where they're better than what they've been. Uh, they've only been good for three-minute windows. Let's take that to 10. Let's take that then to 20. That, that's what I'm looking for. But we, 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 we're, not, we're not hiring and firing David Noble. I think he's pretty safe, to be honest. Yeah, we spoke about this throughout the week, Jared. Second-year rebuilds are so tough. And you get the first year's about the excitement, and you do get some good bits of play. The second year's about that grind, and, and the grind is, is real. You get mixes from players who are playing different positions that they don't like playing. You've got different tactics that Noble's trying to bring in. Um, so so I'm, I'm pretty much with Kingy. you just got to make sure that the consistency is there. The, the effort from players, especially from the start, you have, a real, you have a real showing of that first 10 minutes of whether they're crashing in. Yes, they're going to make mistakes. Um, the, the fact of going through, through the, the, the middle, I guess that's the game style that that Noble's trying to bring in because that's how teams are looking to score. We've seen in the past that defensive teams, and Geelong have been put up there, the Ross Lyon teams, defensive teams haven't been able to win premierships. So maybe Noble's in there saying, let's take the game on. Mm. Let's grab the ball. And yes, it opens up your defence. And wow. But what it is, it, it could be teaching them that if we're going to be a good team, we need to hit those kicks. If we miss them, we're going to get, we're going to get caught out in the back line. But if we hit them, we get some overlap run and create options going forward, this is what he could be showing them the, the way – the pathway of what other teams are doing to try and win premiership. So can young teams do it consistently? No, they can't. In any any group, they won't be able to. But all we want to see for the back end of the season is is a competitive young side that are trying things and, and slowly developing. They have to do a bit today. They've, mm. they've said mm. what they've said during the week. They have to live some of that today for us all to look in on. We're gearing up for all the action today for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. One thing I got at the end of Jack Zeeble, he goes, I hate doing all this talking. I want, to be, I want our actions to speak for us. And that's what we're going to look for. How are the actions? The senior blokes, physical, in and under, perfect finish, but they just now have to back it up. They've missed scrutiny, some of the older kangaroo players. They really have. And, and Jack Zeeble is, is right in the microscope. Six kicks the last two weeks, zero impact on games. You're the captain. Speak well during the week. I don't want words. We need actions. Told Goldstein, hey, fight for your career. Because at the end of the year, they're going to make a choice on you. And you're, you're, you're a bee's whisker off 300 games. So this is a pretty significant 12 to 14 weeks. Um, guys like Walker, Greenwood. I know he's managed today, Greenwood. But these are the guys we're talking about standing up. Don't wait for the next wave of talent to, to shoulder the load. So I... I'll, I'll be having a close look at the leaders, and it's about time they put up an effort that actually showed the youngsters how to play. You're on crunch time. Luke Hodge and David King will talk Tassie and the big push, the coordinated push that is happening in the Apple Isle starting today next. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. Who needs 
Winter Ever for Harley Heaven. The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The Rev Up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. The Rev Ups for the whole state of Tasmania, Sam, mm. because there is the coordinated approach to put forward an overwhelming number of people demanding Tassie's own team and make it irresistible to the mainland who's going to make the decision on them. On the Big Island, as they say down there, Jared, this is the souped-up petition. This is, has been put to me the end of the beginning. So it's the final phase. So the bid document's being worked on at the moment. It's about two or so weeks away, and this is it. In one big package, pushed onto the doorstep of the AFL Start making your decision. So that's where we're at at the moment. The commercial, if I can call that, is is fantastic, yeah. I think. Uh, a little girl running across the state of Tasmania to some of the most beautiful scenic spots in the island state and joining her along the way, some of the biggest names in Tasmanian football history. And it, and it does appeal to our, I guess, our inner... Our, our, it's an emotional ad, I think. I don't think I'm overstating by saying it tugs at the heartstrings. Yeah, that this yeah. has been an injustice for too long. Register your interest. Believe Tasmanian.com.au and the website launched today. So you've signed up? I've signed up. Absolutely. I'll go straight there, straight after here. Good. I'll sign up. Are they Good after man. your signature or Probably is this not. just supposed to be the people of Tasmania? <laughs> I think some people uh, are, uh, around the club might be. Uh, no, no, it's a collective. You're it's moving. A, yep. Media manager. I, I'm there by surrogacy. My Tassie. wife's Tasmanian, so I've got a link. I've got a link. <laughs> you were forced to sign the petition. <laughs> I go to Mona every, I, I go to Mona every year. Hang on. Hang on. This wasn't your choice, really, was it? <laughs> no, I'm all, I'm, all, I'm all up for it. I'm up for it. I think I'm that, uh, they've hit the exact right tone. So this has been a very cleverly conceived campaign from its beginning to the beginning of the end phase. Or the end of the beginning End of the beginning. End of the beginning. Is this depicts the mainland. If the mainland votes no to Tasmania, it will be the ultimate act of bastardry in football history, the way that this is portrayed. It would be squashing the dreams of the people. Uh, and so I thought that the ad is brilliantly conceived. And Alistair Clarkson's advocacy where he's talking about we and us, he makes you believe that he's Tasmanian as well. <laughs> so um, how will they vote then, Jared? So, so, the, uh, so by August, it yeah. has to be a vote, a visionary vote, not a vote on finances, not a vote on draft picks. It has to be a visionary. The national competition will never be complete without one of the nation's states. And they've pitched it exactly right. So I get I get that. But the, 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 the clubs will have to nominate whether they're a yes or a no. Yeah. And that'll be known. Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. So it depends. If the AFL Commission uh, approves Tasmania's entry, then it requires 13 no's to overturn it. So by the letter of the law, it's, they only need a third approval. But yeah. Gillan McLaughlin's been public in saying, well, we, we're not going to force it through if only six CEOs say yes, where presidents say yes. We want a majority. We want everyone along for the ride. And everything you hear in conversation is that the AFL are on side. History says when the AFL are on side... They'll make it happen. There'll there'll always be those saying no. So, so I, I can see a television program out of this, Jared. You reading out <laughs> the nominees. Collingwood in. votes. Collingwood, yes. No. Boo. <laughs> can you imagine? Well, that's a theatre. Carlton votes. And, and the, the yes. scoreboard. <laughs> the scoreboard updates. 
<laughs> Can you have a worm? Have it. Can we have a worm, oh, please? God, that's a good idea. You well, know. there's, there's going to be two We have to work we on that. We have to do that. Surely North and Hawthorne have opened Or an old-fashioned scoreboard, you know, with the old hooks on the that's wall. That's excellent. Hey, have you got an addendum to our rev up? Oh, oh I do. I do. Um, Kingy, you're known for your strong opinions. Oh, hello. Oh, here we Is go. It, you, you're known. Well, if you, if you do your background work Jeez. and you've done a lot of research, I've challenged you a number of times and you've never changed your mind. Is that on, true? On what? On any topic that you're you're oh, strong on, no, and football, just, just you're say yes. Okay, yes, yeah, hundred percent, yes. Fremantle's three yeah. didn't skip a beat. Big salute to their no, system. I, you know what? I'm, I'll tell you, what, I'm going to make a shift. You're going to flip them because of the injury toll on Brisbane. Yep. I'm concerned of what that's going. to – I mean, if we're doing it on exposed form, we've got the same one, two, three. But if you're worried, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll leave it one, two, three. But I just want to put an asterisk on Brisbane. Nah, flip them. Flip them. Go on. All right, I'll flip them. So you've I'm got Brisbane at three, Fremantle at two, and Melbourne at one? Yep. How soft are you? <laughs> I challenge you how many times. Everyone, as soon as Jared, as soon as the boss goes, flip them. You're like, yes, that's the sir. Seedings. Yes, that's, that's the I'm, seedings. I'm, I'm, I'm flipping them. Yes, Jared. Does he understand the seedings? Turn your daily commute. Does he understand how flipping they are? If it's a clip for you, I'm sort of in on it. Turn your daily commute into a daily thrill seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwood, and Dandenong. Time for a little dabble. Enjoying crunch time banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy crunch time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Let's go to Dabble HQ where we find Josh Jeans. Josh, let's address the big issue right off the top. Your Eagles walking into the lines then tomorrow. Melbourne, by how many? <laughs> Sam, come on, mate. you got to give me something. A bit of hope, I reckon, you know. Look, they're, they're probably going to take it easy. I reckon we'll cover the line at, ooh, 70 points. Your side is the gift that keeps giving, can I say that? Now, unfortunately, no gift giving in here. Hand up, we had a collective shocker last week. There's been an inquest. We're looking to bounce back. What have we got this week? Well, you're looking pretty good, and the traders are liking your bet as well because a lot of money's been coming for the Tigers, and people have been smashing the unders for the Port game as well. So you've got the Tigers to win. Port by 1-39. to 39. You've got the Saints, which you know a bit of a risky bet. Uh, Swans as well, and the Lions there. So I'm liking that one. But uh, let's hear Jeremy's bet, because I know you're going to relay yes. that one for me. And he normally gives us when the last time the grass was cut as well. So I'm hoping we're getting that in-depth analysis from you today, Sammy. Typically forensic. Now, he's not here, Derm, you're right, but the Armour Guard men have just walked in and unclipped the briefcase, and I've got the documents in front of me. So he loves Jaden Short against the Hawks today. 25-plus for, for Jaden Short now that he's been unleashed. Max King to kick three-plus goals. Big game, that one, against the Cats and Sam DeConning, mm. the likely matchup there. And then I'll tell you what, uh, Josh, he's not rating the Bombers at all because he's going the Swans at the SCG to hit back and hit back hard and win by 40-plus. Yeah, the Dons will do what they normally do, win something that, that no one thought and then lose again. So that's all right. Uh, the best thing to do as well is you can just download the app, copy the Crunch Time AFL one, and copy Dermy 23 as well. He has had some good form except for last week, as you mentioned, so he's willing to bounce back. Go on, have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Until next time, Sam. Good on you, Joshy. Beautifully done. Enjoying Crunch Time banter. Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go and have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Last words. Geelong and St Kilda is the most interesting game, isn't it? Cats are flying. Cats are flying. And what they're doing in ball movement this year surpassed what they've done in recent years. I think they're they're not just a – they're a serious contender. I uh, I was thinking St Kilda. Do you reckon I could change your mind? Easily. <laughs> no, I, I'm I, movable. I, I, I pitch it back to St Kilda uh, when they 
convincingly were beaten Geelong at Marvel, I think it was last year or the year before, and then Marshall and Ryder both went down, and then they dropped the ball. But they were so convincing. The way they moved the ball, the tools were outstanding. So I've backed them on that. Excellent crunching. Well done. Well done. This has been Crunch Time for South Australia Tourism Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.